everyone, this is Henry Volk, and you're listening to Theology in Perspective, the podcast about Pentecostal theology. Let me say I'm so excited to be here in your earbuds and your speaker, whichever way you're listening. And I just want to apologize, it's been a really long time since I've put out a new episode. And I've just been extremely busy here, um, got a new job, been doing the school thing, just been busy with family things. And, uh, (coughs) excuse me, uh, I just finally got the time to sit down and record an episode here. So today, I'm going to make good on my promise, and we're going to start talking about God, the big G-O-D. Who is God? And as I'm going through this episode, I'm going to be using the Pentecostal Catechism, or a Pentecostal Catechism, my new book. I kind of talked about it some on the last episode that's available on Amazon. Especially if you got Prime, it's a great deal. It's only five thirty-eight, and if you cash in on that front, that Prime free shipping, you know it's a good and quick deal. And so we're, we're just going to tackle that question today: Who is God? Uh, who's God? You know, we we hear a lot about God from a lot of different sources. Um, you know, we we hear about God in church first of all. But there's also a lot of voices out in the culture that talk about God. You know, there's, uh, you know, people in different religions, there's secular voices, there's atheistic voices. Everyone has something to say or some idea or belief about God. That takes us back to the second episode there. Everyone's a theologian. Everyone has some kind of understanding about God. So our goal is, is to have a biblical but also well-informed understanding of who God is uh, from a Pentecostal perspective. And so I'll just be going through the the first section of the catechism today, uh, which is on God. So I'm going to read the first question. The first question in a Pentecostal catechism is, who is God? And the answer is, the creator of all things. God is the creator. God is the one who, who makes all things, who, who created the creation. Now, you know, there's a, a lot of different theories as far as the anthropology of religion goes about why mankind started uh, believing in gods or how, why, how or why religion formed. You know, a lot of more liberal-minded people believe, okay, that you know, human beings came up with the idea of gods to explain natural phenomena. Uh, however, you know, now we have scientific understanding uh, of these phenomena that were once attributed to gods and, and demons and powers and spirits, etc., etc. And so now we don't need uh, a god or spirits because we understand uh, these phenomena uh, that people in the past were, you know, tried to explain via God and the divine. We explain all these things now through science, so now they are irrelevant. If Christianity um, has a different viewpoint than that. You know, in the, uh, I believe it was the third episode, you know, I, I talked about divine revelation. And our understanding of God 
comes from God's self-revelation, his own inbreaking into history and revealing himself. And so the Bible is that human witness to this action of the Word of God in history. That's God's action and his effects in history. And so this forms the basis of the Christian knowledge of God. And so, although what I'll be talking about in the next episodes to come, providing different views on God, is how that, you know, even though we have a a more scientific understanding of the way the world and the universe works today, that that in no way gets rid of God. You know, it doesn't explain away God. And I'll, I'll go over some different understandings of God, uh, different understandings of God that's come out you know, in the last hundred years or so, uh, especially that of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, who just, I think, really says a lot of important things in that regard. However, to get to what we're talking about today, God is the creator. That is, uh, all created beings, that is their, uh, you could say their, their natural relation to God. It is the creator-creature relationship. You know, as Christians, we have a different relationship with God that, that is of sons and daughters because we have been uh, adopted, as it were. But all uh, beings have this relationship to God as him being their creator. And so that is who God is. As far as we are concerned, God is the creator. But what is God? That's a much more difficult question. So question two of the catechism is, what is God? Answer, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And this one, we're going to dissect a little bit. Uh, God is the spirit. What does that mean? Uh, we all have different understandings of, of spirits, of, of the spiritual world. and But at the end of the day, what does that mean? This, you know, in as much as we can wrap our minds around it, it simply means that God doesn't have a body. God is not material. God is immaterial. He is in, in, <laughs> uh, incorporeal. In, in, incorporeal, incorporeal however you're supposed to pronounce that word and he's infinite he has no beginning or end he just he is infinite wrap your mind around that one how is a being infinite an infinite being think about that a a actual being that is infinite i mean we can't even wrap our minds around that because we're finite beings you know we uh you know and probably in the most obvious way that we are finite finite is that our existence is finite. At some point we all will die, whereas God is eternal. That's the next attribute it's listed. God is eternal. He never dies. He's infinite. Infinite in time, but also infinite in space. I mean, mean, that's amazing. Think about a being, a, a personal being that is infinite with respects to time and space. We can say those words, but to wrap you know, to wrap your mind around what that means, it's it's truly amazing. And if you hear a little like rattling, my cats are playing with a cat toy, and so that's that'll be in the background probably. 
and he's unchangeable. That's uh, the word that's typically used in theology is immutable, his immutability. But he's unchangeable in his being. That is who he is. That cannot be changed. And that's also something that we can't really wrap our minds around, is, is not changing in our being or in our character or in who we are at even in our innermost level we are subject to change but God is not subject to the change that we are and so these are uh, attributes of God that we don't share now uh, we don't these are would be considered God's incommunicable attributes uh, with the exception of eternality because we are given eternal life that is our salvation um, but the following attributes that are listed in this question are God's communicable attributes that, that means these are the attributes he shares with the creation that is his wisdom his power Holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. These are all things that we as creatures, as created beings, um, can partake of. Now, the third question in the Catechism says, Are there more gods than one? The answer is, There is but only one, the living and true God. And so, going back to what I said earlier about this um, secular, this liberal uh, understanding of the anthropology of religion, that that religion surfaces in human history um, to, and it functions as a way to explain these natural phenomena. So, so why is there lightning? Or, you know, uh, why does lightning fall and rain come? Well, it's because, um, you know, Baal is is riding on the clouds, and he has his thunderbolt bolt or Zeus, and so the gods. I mean, there is something to this theory. I, I don't want to say, well, that's not true. Human, the gods were ways that human beings accounted for natural phenomenon. You know, so you have a god over every little thing. You have a god over the sky. You have a god over the sun. You have a god over the moon. You have a God over fertility. You know, you have a God of the sea. You have you have a God for all these things because, you know, human beings we we realized at some point in our history that things just don't happen. Um, we we realized early on in our development that you know things happen. Um, because of actors, you know, or, or because of agency. And so it's this basic law of cause and effect. And so if things in our lives are function on this principle, then the things that we don't understand or the things that we don't have control over must operate in the same way. Therefore, you know, the gods are, are causing all of these things to happen. And that, you know, there's there's legitimacy to, to this theory of the anthropology of religion. However, what makes Judaism different, or the ancient Israelite religion, is that with the emergence of the ancient Israelite religion, we start to see kind of a, a break away from uh, 
this uh, this understanding of divine agency that the gods are there to um, to preside over all of these things. That's what the gods do. So instead of many gods, you have one god who who creates who who does all things. And you see the same thing happen in philosophy. You know, among the Greek philosophers, you have, uh, for instance, Plato who. And of course, many of the the Greek philosophers also rejected the pagan gods. They had a lot of criticisms because they realized, oh wait, the gods are actually um, basically basically like us, and maybe even a little bit worse sometimes. So why are we worshiping them? And so that <laughs> landed some of the philosophers uh, in the hot seat. But basically, some of the philosophers, ancient philosophers, came to these same conclusions that well, there must be one god. Or, or one principle, or um, like in the case of Plato, is the the uh, demiurge, who the uh, the artificer, the artisan who creates all things, using these uh, this kind of eternal blueprint, these forms, the eternal blueprint, as it were. And so, with ancient Israelite religion, though, unlike say philosophy, where some of this stuff was just kind of reason that uh, the presupposition behind the Bible behind ancient Israelite philosophy was that this God had revealed himself now a lot of people will reject that presupposition and say well this developed naturally just like all other religions it was just another uh, a natural step in uh, the evolution of religion of course Christians we reject that because we do believe that um that our understanding of God is predicated upon his self-revelation and therefore there's only one God who is self-sufficient you know who who has these attributes which are in fact above us both morally unlike some of the pagan gods and also in his being you know so he's infinite being unlike we are finite being let's go down to our next question where is God God is everywhere God is omnipresent. He is present everywhere. It's because he's infinite. He fills all things. That's question four. Question five. What does God know? God is all wise. He knows all things, even the thoughts of our hearts. So because God is infinite, he has infinite knowledge. So, I mean, think about God's infinity here. His his infinite nature it extends into basically all uh, all realms in the moral realm you know, he's infinite goodness infinitely holy infinitely just infinitely true he's infinitely everywhere he's omnipresent and when it concerns knowledge what can be known he is also infinite in this regard now question six what can God do the answer is God is almighty he does whatever he wills so he is uh, omnipotent he's almighty all powerful so even his power his ability to to do things as an agent he is unfettered because of his infinite nature and here we go back to eternity his eternality question six how long has God existed God is eternal he has lived always and will live forever because it goes back to his 
infinite nature. Now, here, here we go. This is where it gets interesting. God's infinity as implied to moral characteristics. What is God's character? God is love. It, you know, the script, that's actually a, a scripture quote from First uh, John 4, 8. So God just isn't loving. You know, we are loving, but we are not love. But God himself, because of his infinite nature, is love. What does it mean to love? Whatever that is, in its pure, most pure form, that is God, because he is the infinite. Uh, question 9. Is God holy? Answer, God is holy. He hates all those who work iniquity. Um, that's a quotation from Psalm 5.5. 5. So God is holy. He's infinite holiness. Is God merciful? Question 10. Uh, the answer is, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. It's a quotation from Psalm 103.8. Question 11. Is God just? Answer, The Lord is just, rewarding the righteous and punishing the wicked. Uh, question 11, or question 12, rather. Is God true? Answer, He is the God of truth. He cannot lie. And here we go again that this is uh, God's attribute. What does it mean to be true? It means to be God. Jesus says, um, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, no man can come to the Father but by me. Jesus is the truth because of his infinite nature. He embodies truth. We could say, like, in its pure expression, whatever the pure essence of truth is, that is God. And uh, question 13, this will be the last one I cover. What are God's works of providence? Providence. Now, this gets into a, to a, uh, a sticky area when it, as far as it um, concerns like uh, predestination, election, and these things. God's providence, that is, his, uh, according to the answer here, answer 13, God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful powerful preserving and governing of all of his creatures and their actions that God somehow governs uh, his creatures and their actions now this is the point where it gets um, sticky where it gets difficult for traditional or classical theism because the everything I've read uh, thus far is basically a description of God according to classical theism and uh, in the next episode, we'll talk more about that. I'm going to pull in some Thomas Aquinas, um, do some things about the existence of God, how do we know God exists. But this is where it gets tricky for classical theism. So there have been alternate um, understandings of God that have arised through questions like questions of suffering or theodicy. Why is there suffering in the world? Why is there evil? You know, if God was truly uh, all-powerful and all-good, then there could not be evil in the world. Uh, these questions. And so, uh, classical theism has its answers to these things. And we'll talk about some of that in the next episode. But some Christians and, and non-Christians have found these uh, answers to be insufficient. And so they have articulated... Uh, different ways of understanding God or, or God's interaction with the world. And so one of those that I'll be talking about in a later episode is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. 
who had a pretty radical um, view and understanding of God's work in the world. And so, this is the the brief introduction to God. This episode, we talked about his attributes, um, you know, his incommunicable attributes, his communicable attributes. We talked about his moral attributes, and we talked about his providence, that's his governing of all things. And so, I, I hope this was a, a decent introduction to God. We're going to delve into this issue a lot more in the episodes to come. I hope you've enjoyed listening. I've enjoyed talking. I'm Henry Volk. You've been listening to Theology in Perspective. Be blessed. Have a great day. The footsteps that were next to me have gone their separate ways. I've seen enough now to know that beautiful.